This is Tony from Sacramento, and I never listen to Idata with Dalamore, especially during the live streams, because usually when I get those emails telling me that they're on, I'm not prepared. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 417 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, as I mostly am all the time, Jesse Dalamore, and I am joined today. By the one and only, the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the critiquer of Parkers, Brittany Page. Uh, I don't know if that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's mostly you. For sure, mostly me. But it was a vehicle, no pun intended, for me to get to talking about what is... Uh, no ch- pun intended. Chapping my hide today. No pun intended. I think that you have that written down. Let me see this. You have a transcript here. I think that was completely planned. That's In, what my opinion is. Anyway, mm-hmm. can I talk about your anger? But you're going to get so here's, angry. No, he, here's 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 the deal. Uh oh. A lot of shit bothers me. <laughs> no. I am uh, an easily aggravated character. A type of guy. Do you think that's a, a good quality? No. Is it something no, that... No. I, it... I would much rather go through life not giving a fuck about all the transgressions that, that happen all around me. Is it something that you work on? No. No. <laughs> no. So it's something that you would prefer... How, how do you work on it? How, how, how do you do that? How, what's that look like? Uh, probably... Det- First of all, we're going to get to it. I'm going to talk about people who back into their parking spots when there's no need to. Those fucking people. <laughs> but before we do, let's go off on this little tangent. Yeah, probably, um, like, ranking the, uh, level Are of... Are we in therapy right now? The Is level, that what's happening? The level of disruption to your life that certain things have. Um... So if I was a client... No. No, this is kind of a good exercise. No. If I was a client No, it's not. and I presented with this and this was and I identified this as a problem in my life. Mm-hmm. Would that be a strategy that might be employed? Is it some ranking system? <laughs> I'm just you know, hypothetically. Mhm. What a great hypothetical. <laughs> um what an exciting hypothetical. Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I if it doesn't interfere with your life, and but you're saying that you would prefer not to be like that, so it must interfere with your life in some ways. Well, or I it think must mild. Be... I don't know about interfere. I think interfere is harsh. Okay. Um. <laughs> I get pissed off. I get stressed out. That's. I mean, not. I. It's not like stress. Like, oh God, I'm sweaty. I'm stressed. But it's like uh, it's. It's. Uh, it's okay. I get tightly wound. Yeah. Does it interfere with relationships? No. No. Okay. So I don't know why there was that that moment of hesitation. Okay. So it doesn't interfere with no. relationships and friendships. No. Well, then it doesn't sound like a problem. Huh. Yeah. It's like biting my nails. I'd like to stop that too, but ultimately I don't fucking care enough to really do well, it. Well, I think you 
I think you also are probably just more vocal. It's not that you get pissed off at things more often than other people. It's just that you're more vocal about it. Oh, yeah. yeah I think that's very accurate. And other people can be more zen about it or not reveal that they're aggravated by people and doing I just, certain things. I let it be known. And you say it. I externalize. Which could be, it could be argued that that is a useful quality because people always know where they stand with you. Well, which we settled is very that. Very nice. Thank you, Brittany. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this this brand, this flavor, oh person that backs into space. Yeah, I, what what I would because me, I see them and I'm like, ah, this fucking guy. You know, it's well, ultimately because it's always. Is it the quick getaway? Are you getting ready to rob a bank and you need to fucking? Oh, we we might have to escape. Mm-hmm. What 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 what's the purpose behind backing in? Especially, I only really notice it when I'm inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. Like this guy's <laughs> taking a long time to navigate. Uh huh. Like he's backing up uh, an eighteen wheeler mm-hmm. with his fucking Toyota Camry and he can't get it backed into the spot in time. Yeah. And I have to wait around for. For an extended period of time. Like an hour? No. <laughs> yeah, an hour. I'm sitting... I, I'm dumb enough It's not like a to visit just, to the DMV. I, I'm not just going to drive away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I really... I would I would ask the audience... Mm-hmm. What Are there reasons why, if you're a backer-inner, why? Yeah. What's the purpose? Yeah. Explain to me why you're not... Uh, I, I, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean. Okay, good. Why are you not an asshole? How about that? <laughs> um, yeah, I think people do it for convenience so they can just get in their car and not have to back up and then put the car in drive. Yeah, but they have to back drive. up. And the, but it, they're inconveniencing no, themselves up front. I know, but I think there's something that happens in their heads to where... Dumbness. No, to where they feel <laughs> like um, it's, a quick, it's a quick getaway. They don't think about how long yeah. it took to get in the spot. It's just about how convenient it is to go out to their car and drive away and not have to mess around. So listen, I don't do it. Okay, and when people do it in front of me, I I kind of do this. <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> yes, yeah, I feel like that in my head. I just say things out loud. Yeah. So I mean, I I feel it, right? But if someone is doing it like in an expert way, and it takes like two seconds, I'm like, oh wow, well that was. Yeah, but really, then, that's really convenient. Then there was no inconvenience on my yeah, part. Yeah, good for you. You're amazing if you can do it in the same time you would take to park your car like a normal person Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no problem i mean i might judge you yeah like what's the fucking what's the what's the meaning behind well what makes you more angry someone backing into their space or someone who parks terribly and ruins two spots oh Mm. (laughs) if if it's the last spot and they ruined a spot Mm -hmm. then that's not that then that's the worst. Yeah. But if it doesn't, again, it's this is how it affects me. Mm. What about how it's going to affect other people? Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> but it's not as terrible as affecting me. <laughs> oh. There are there are gradations of yeah. of of, of uh, effect. Mm. Perfect. And and if you if you fuck Brittany Page over, mm-hmm. that is terrible. Yes. <laughs> it's, but... it's a nine but if you fuck jesse d over that is a 10 that's Un- just a sl- 
unacceptable. Slightly worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you have interesting pet peeves. We all do. We all do. So it's fine. I got a lot of them, though. They rack up. Yeah. Mine mostly involve the freeway, I would say. Drivers. Yeah. Ever since I was young. In fact, as soon as I was in driver's ed and I, I was I was in driver's ed with these turds that we were getting on the freeway. I remember being terrified, terrified to be in this car because um, I mean, not just because my driver's ed teacher put my seatbelt on for me one time. Um, uh, I think we talked about that. Also, because these kids were like getting on the freeway going like 30 miles an hour. Yeah. That still bothers you today. Well, no. It's get on it. Well, it's it, here's why it bothers me because death. Because I don't want to <laughs> die. I would like to live. I would like to live for a while longer and I don't want to die on the freeway trying to get on the freeway. So get up to the freeway speed. That's what the on-ramp is for, right? <laughs> God damn it. I knew that you were doing something. You were making a face, and I knew that you were doing something. I thought you were going to play I'm Not Prepared again, which is apparently everybody's new favorite thing. I'm not prepared! And uh, I I don't know how I feel about it's it. It's kind of a love-hate, right? Um, It just, it's... I I don't think I think you love it, but you hate the way that you sound saying the phrase. I'm not prepared. Yeah, I don't know what was happening. I think I was so tired. That's what's so funny about it. Yeah, we were here. That was late night. Yeah, it was late. I think was that the two hour show or uh, no? That that was the two hour show. Is the show we busted it out. Oh, okay. But it was a late night show mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We appreciate your listenership, your loyalty, your ratings, and your reviews on on uh, iTunes, uh, what is now Apple Podcasts. We've actually had uh, we had a, a troll come and leave a one star review. Perfect, saying that we were intellectually bereft. Actually, probably not that big a word, but not that that's a big word but for a, bereft for someone with the the username Donald Trump 2016 it's kind of a big word yeah you said that you thought maybe it was someone being funny and i was like well that's a really stupid way to be funny it's because a dick it gives us be a very yeah. bad review so <laughs> um yeah that one still is not my favorite one um but I do appreciate that. So, by the way, since they we're said here, it, they said it's a circle jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a circle jerk, something about echo chamber, yeah. right? Yeah, because we're we're just right down the line agreeing with all the liberal stuff. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I don't think that's true. So, if you would like to counteract that one star review from Donald Trump 2016, then do it, please, please, please go and and do that. That would be fantastic. We have had a few people answer and leave their own reviews, and that that's great. So. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Let's let's get into this. We do have some listener communication over the past uh, episode since last time, and let's just uh, jump into that. Um, last time we did briefly talk about the recent suicides of both Kate Spade and Tony Bourdain, and it was an emotional thing to talk about for both Brittany and myself. But I'm sure that it brought up a, a lot of emotion and a lot of uh, a topic that's very important to the the vast majority of the audience, and that is depression, and uh, that is where we will start. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Ben from Seattle again. Uh, I just uh, wanted to call and uh, uh, put in my thoughts on this 
thing with uh, depression and the the recent suicides of the of the celeb two celebrities. Uh, uh, you were talking about Anthony Bourdain and and uh, uh, talking about about getting treatment for depression. And I also wanted to link that to another issue that you guys have been talking about, and that is uh, toxic masculinity, because there is a link here. The, according to the Mayo Clinic, uh, there are twice as women, many women are are diagnosed as depressed as men. Part of that has to do with biological differences, but a huge part of that is men go undiagnosed because of this culture that says mental problems aren't real problems. And if you're a man, you suck it up and you and you push push down any of those bad feelings. And, uh, you don't, you don't talk about it ever. And that leads to, uh, a lot of undiagnosed depression, depression among men. And, uh, as somebody who is diagnosed as depressed, as depressed, like a lot of people, I can tell you how big of a difference getting treatment has made in my life. It has improved the, the quality of my life, uh, tremendously. It's, it's a night and day difference. So I just wanted to put that out there that, especially to any listeners, uh, that might feel uncomfortable just going to the doctor, talking to somebody about it, because, you know, maybe it's not, you know, that's kind of a girl thing. It absolutely, it's, it's not. And those, the statistics, the statistics on it are startling. So, uh, Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Love the show. Love you guys both. And uh, you're both the best part. So I think this is a really important call. And I think this this talking point can for sure get lost in the conversation. Um, I appreciate um, Ben taking the time to make that phone call and um, share his story a little bit there. Um, men, uh, some research says men are less likely to seek medical attention, especially if they attribute their depression to, uh, like career failure or career disappointment Mm, and inability to make money, things like that. And, um, they can be more likely to suffer in silence, try to medicate themselves with alcohol or drugs, things like that. Um, kind of pushing that down, um, like Ben said. And I think it's important to have the conversations that we've been having about masculinity so that these ideas can kind of be broken down, that it's okay for men to say to their friends, their support system hey, this is what I'm struggling with, this is what I'm feeling, even cry. Again, those those things are typically thought of as only reserved for women and like female friendships. And even the kind of support systems that men have look very different from the support systems that, that women have and the types of things that can be shared among men. Typically, I'm just speaking, typically. You, no, I'm not, I'm not, I know you're looking at my face, um... Thank you for looking at my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was processing that because I think um, even with me, not even with me, like I'm some paragon, some example, but I, I certainly have less communicative friendships about vulnerability with males than I'm sure um, the typical woman has with her female friends, mm-hmm. like good friends, mm-hmm. core group. Yeah. And that's not healthy. It's not yeah. good. Yeah. 
Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so men may see their symptoms of, as a weakness, that they aren't capable, that they should just man up, all of these ideas. And it's not good. Um, everyone should feel like they can reach out for help and that they can be honest. A lot of people, too, uh, are fearful of the stigma of actually receiving a diagnosis. And if people go in and that is something that they fear, they should talk openly about that fear with their provider. Yeah. Um, and try to figure something out with that. Um, we didn't go into detail last time, but I wanted to say... Um, that if someone is looking for help and they don't have insurance, just Google sliding scale counseling center or sliding scale nonprofit counseling center in your area. And um, if, if that doesn't work, reach out to a local university and check with their counseling center. They can either refer you for services somewhere else or they might even see non-students because they have trainees. There are people in this area or organizations in this area that have that, universities, mm -hmm. where they see non-students because they're training clinicians and people are working for free. Um, if you can donate to one of these nonprofit organizations that serve um, underserved populations, um, they need resources. And if you're looking for somewhere to donate your money... Um, that would be a good place to do it. A nonprofit counseling center that yeah. serves underserved populations. It would be money well spent, money money well donated. Yeah, certainly. Yes. Um, because it does cover the cost. Look, people who are in your your profession in your field, Brittany, aren't. It's not all about charity. Mm -hmm. They got they got bills to pay. They've got people, kids to feed, and. It's it's a bummer that our government and our healthcare system is so fucking flawed mm -hmm. that people's mental health, I mean, aside from the discrepancies and the glaring omissions of coverage for physical health, right. mental health is just an afterthought, right. a shadow of an afterthought. Right. Um, but I want people to feel like they they have some tools to be able to reach out and yes. find those services. So those are always good places to start. And then if you, if you do have insurance, um, it's a little bit easier. It can still be difficult because, uh, some people may not be taking new clients and you have to call around and ask around yeah. and it's, you know, a time consuming process. So none of the options are easy, but the point is if you have a friend or someone who is suffering, the hope would be that you reach out to them and help them, through that process help yeah. them get to care yeah anyway ben uh thank you for the call we appreciate it let's let's move on uh different topic <laughs> Brittany's favorite sarah huckabee sanders hello jesse hello Brittany. this is mikey in chicago um i wish i called more often on better terms but i am literally to my stomach with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That press conference discussing how they're defending uh, locking brown kids in cages is beyond upsetting at this point. Um, He's literally said, I will lock up kids in cages unless Democrats meet with me and fund my wall, my tiny pecker tribute. And this is where we are. 
like can't get away from it this is what's happening now our president is holding little kids hostage so that he can get something that is proven and effective I've tried to rationalize it I've tried to figure out the the good and the bad there is no good this is just this guy being a dick and he's doing it to, to babies to little kids who have made zero decisions about where they want to be and how they want their life to turn out they're just kids they fucking deserve better and god damn it so do we um love the show Brittany's the best part see you guys love the show Brittany's the best part. Bye. So I've been feeling a lot like Mikey lately as well. Hard and not to. I always get into um, <laughs> interesting conversations with my godfather because he has always told me that um, I will I will never regret being classy. That's like what he always tells me. <laughs> yeah. And I actually tell him that... Um, the moments I regret most are those moments when I failed to tell someone to go fuck themselves when I should have. Um, By the way, that is a, if there's a classic Brittany Page quote, that is it. <laughs> oh, well, that's sad. Um, no, I, 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 because it's, it, it flies in the face of this 1950s version of the fucking lady. Oh, you got to be classy, lady. Yeah. No, no, you don't. Yeah. You can absolutely. tell someone to fuck straight off. Yeah. Um, well, we can get more into that later because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but but seriously. And so I was having a conversation with him about uh, the Robert De Niro thing and, and saying fuck Trump at yeah. the Tony Awards. Was that- the Tony Awards. Yeah. And um, he sent me a, an article by Frank Bruni in the New York Times about is that his name? Frank Bruni? Yeah. About how this is like giving Trump a win. Or whatever. No one cares what Robert De Niro has yeah, to say. Yeah, like yeah. no one. He's not cares. moving the needle at all. No, they talked about it for like ten seconds. No one cares. And it, it like in fact, when the conversation died down a little bit, Donald Trump talked about it to try to get it going again. Yeah, no one cares. So, <laughs> uh, like Mikey either said or alluded to, this was kind of the message I got from him was that if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Yeah. If you're not angry enough to say that then you're not paying attention. Or you just don't fucking care about kids. I mean, it's it's impossible to read the news, see these photos, um, see uh, Ann Coulter calling them child actors, like yeah. taking a page from Alec Jones's playbook, um, hearing Laura Ingram on her show tonight say that they're essentially summer camps that these kids are being held in. Yeah, this is the All Lives Matter crowd. I, I it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And um, it's getting to a point where you could hear it in Mikey's voice. It's yeah. it's defeating um, because you start to wonder, what are we doing here? Are we losing grip on like society? Because what's going on with people not understanding what's wrong here? Yeah. I posted something on the page today and, and, and I said, um, this is not normal. But, but I added... And it's also not acceptable. And, and there's a, there's, it, it's what we need to be adding on to this isn't normal. That it's not acceptable either. 
and and this is one of those cases. Look, you, there's a, a myriad of, of different opinions you can have on immigration. We're going to get into this in Dollamocracy. But there, there's all kinds of different. You can be all kinds of different. Uh, there's a spectrum from super easy open border type to locked down. But it's only the authoritarian uh, fascist types who think that it's okay to take children from their parents. And you're hearing these asswipes on Facebook, on Twitter, on CNN, on the news that are acting well. If if you get if you get busted for dealing heroin, you go to prison. They're taking your kids. Yeah, that's not the what we're talking about, Dick. This is different. It's this a- is like getting getting pulled over, not having a valid driver's license, and having your family ripped apart because you got arrested for not having a driving without a license. It's a misdemeanor. It is a fucking misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. If you get a DUI, mm-hmm. you don't get ripped your family completely apart. Yeah. No, no possibly never to see them again because some of the kids they're taking can't communicate. Right. They don't know their name. They don't know their parents' name. Right. So get the fuck out of here with uh, your ridiculous MAG-American comparisons about heroin dealing and murder. Well, it's just weird because these are the the people who... <laughs> Um, like you said, say all lives matter. Yeah. And God knows every hair on the top of your head or whatever the hell yes. the saying is. And uh, is it except for these people? Someone shared in the, which is, is exactly what you're talking about right now. Someone shared in the listener discussion group uh, just recently. I probably messed up the scripture because I, uh, I'm not a preacher like you. <laughs> you haven't spent... Many years of your life having it crammed into your head. No. <laughs> uh, it was Meg. Meg from Arkansas. Uh, she shared one of those memes where the guy has two buttons and he's sweating in oh, the lower frame. Yeah. And so so the, the, below, it's proud conservative. It's a button over his face. Mm-hmm. And there's two buttons. One says, our rights come from God, not the government. Mm-hmm. And then the other button that he has to choose from is, foreigners don't have the same rights as Americans. Yeah. Which is it, all lives matter, idiots? Mm-hmm. Is it all lives matter? Or is it white-skinned Americans? That's who matters. If you're black, fuck you. If you're a Mexican, presenting at the border for asylum, fuck you. Because that's what it seems like. Something that really bothers me about this is, and I, I try not to do this too much, um, where I uh, sit in my life experience and um, like start having an attitude about people that haven't experienced things and then try to have opinions about yeah. things. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be vague. Um <laughs> So, well, it just bothers me because if if you don't understand the level of desperation that would drive you to do anything to escape a violent situation to protect yes. your children, to try to find a better life for your children, to do anything to get them out of harm's way, to get yourself out of harm's way, um, that you would come here without anything. Yeah. trying to save them and save yourself 
I don't want to hear from you. Like, if, yeah. if you can't understand what that is, because these are people who um, are being oppressed by their governments, yeah. violence from their government, they're escaping domestic violence situations. I was listening to The Daily the other day about a woman who um, escaped a, a terrible domestic violence situation. Um, her husband paid a dowry for her. She got into the house. She realized that she was essentially his sex slave yeah in addition to taking care of his other kids that she didn't know that he had and he ended up stabbing her um abusing her saying that he was owed sex because he paid for her she tried to go to the police they said he's your husband you need to obey your husband um that's what the police told her that's what her government told her yeah your husband stabbed you well maybe you should listen and now jeff sessions has deemed uh, domestic violence not an acceptable reason to be uh, applying for asylum in America. Well, and she she was able to come here and now she wants to help other women in similar situations yeah. get asylum. So I just, it, it's complicated and I don't like when people like Tommy Lahren um, <laughs> start saying, why don't you just follow the laws? Like if you were yeah. in this situation and you weren't doing anything possible to get out of it and save your kids, who, what kind of person are you? Yeah, well, it's she's right now her talking point is if you don't want to be separated from your kids, then don't come here illegally. And that's that's the crux of this. These parents, these MAG Americans believe that they don't care about their kids because they're dragging them across Mexico up, up above the border to try to get to America. They don't care about them. They don't care about their safety. And it's the exact opposite. Things are so desperate, so terrible, so ridiculous and violent where they come from that they love their kids so desperately, they'll do that to get them to the shining city on the hill that Reagan talked about, America. Because the world over, America is still seen as a place to get to, to aspire to. Even with a fucking Trump in the White House, they're willing to risk that. And what do they get? Torn apart. And assholes like that laughing at them and making excuses about it. Yeah, and you also have to take into consideration the trauma that that is um, yeah. inflicted here. And they are not only traumatized by the situation that they're fleeing, but they're then traumatized when they come to the place that they think is going to be a refuge. Um. And you have kids who are developmentally vulnerable that have already experienced unbelievable amount of stress and instability. And then you take away their only lifeline, their only stability coming through this border, coming across to this country. And you. Yeah. I mean, think about that. And they don't, some of them don't even know their parents' name. They don't, how are you going to find them? It's enraging. And I, I don't understand people who start talking about, like, you need to follow the law in this situation. Um, I understand people are like, we can't have everybody here. We're going to be overrun, like, whatever. Um, but this is a um, crisis. These are human beings. And, I, I just don't understand the lack of compassion that people yeah. have. Like they can't just step out of their privilege, privileged existence and try to understand the terror that's going on for these people. Right. And you know, the fix here 
like I said about the spectrum from open borders to more of a crackdown mentality, the, the fix here is don't separate the people. The fix isn't, oh, open the border, let them all in, whatever. That's not what we're talking about. Right. We're just talking about not ripping away breastfeeding babies mm -hmm. from their mother's breast. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Pretty fucking simple. So related kind of to this is 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 uh, last time we talked about uh, on the show, we talked about the, the quoting of the scripture by Jeff Sessions at the podium of the Justice Department as attorney general in his official capacity. And we have an email on that. Hi, guys. I want to push back a little on your analysis of the Jim Acosta exchange with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Maybe not in a professional setting, but I know for sure, for a fact, using the Bible against hateful beliefs propped up by the Bible and or biblical morality does work. Specifically looking at verses like Deuteronomy 1019, which says, quote, and you are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. And you know there are handfuls of other verses espousing love, loving thy neighbors, doing unto others as you would yourself, etc. Or pointing out the fact that Jesus Christ was a freaking refugee fleeing political violence in the first 13 years of his life. I'm always amazed how so little people remember that fact. I have used these examples every time this subject comes up, and it comes up a lot. I told you in the last email I sent that I work at a Jewish refugee center. You'd be amazed how often it comes up. The typical response is a blank stare followed by a dramatic attempt to change the subject, which I try to prevent using the Chris Cuomo style of persistence. Not because I have Cuomo talent. I'm just an asshole. If you're going to use <laughs> biblical morality, then you have to use the peace and love aspects that make up 90% of Christ's teachings, not just the oppressive aspects of Paul's logic that best suit your hate-filled anti-Christ-like attitudes that only apply to minorities and other people you don't like. Feel free to use this method, or you can rip me apart for it. Thanks, Sarah. I I'm not going to rip you apart, Sarah. Um, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think you bypassed my point, though, which was... I don't fucking care if it says in the Bible that all children should be raped until they're 12. That's not the point. I don't care if the Bible says every person entering your country should be let in unfettered and fed for 10 years. I don't care what the Bible says because it doesn't fucking matter what the Bible says about anything related to the rule of law in the United States of America. It's just as simple as that. I don't give a flying fuck what the Quran says about anything relative to the execution of the laws in our country. The Torah, the Tanakh, other books of scripture, the Dhammapada, whatever. None of them matter in a secular government with a First Amendment, which, which has an establishment clause. That, that, that makes it illegal for the government to sponsor one, one religion, to pick winners in the religion game. Qu quoting scripture is just antithetical to our constitutional democratic republic system. That's the point. It is impressive, though, if she can just quote this one scripture and then people are like, oh, shit, I... Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, that is some Cuomo juice. Uh, <laughs> because this is the problem with the Bible, right? Yeah. Is that there's, there's two different gods and you can choose which one you uh, prefer.
Yeah, do you do you want the God that that orders that rape victims, virgins who are raped, that their dad makes fifty shekels of silver, but then the rape victim is forced to marry the rapist? Is that the the God, or is it the God that uh, the hippy dippy Jesus guy? And which Jesus do you want to follow, the hippy dippy one, or you know, kind of the angry? You know, I didn't come to bring peace; I came to to, to with a sword. To divide man from his father. Is it that Jesus? Anyway, now we're in the weeds, Brittany. We're in the weeds. Mm. I could go on for days, son. All right. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the emails, for the for the phone calls. We got one more <laughs> one more voicemail from Mark the Mailman, who I, I wrote on the call. Listener voicemail, Mark, Illinois, scorecard. Hey, guys, Mark here, a.k.a. Carl Malone, a.k.a. Slubber DeGullion. Just wanted to uh, comment about the last episode where Jesse mentioned that the Dollamore podcast is 25-1 and 1 when it comes to our dialogue. Um... And I'm going to go ahead and disagree. I'm going to say that we're one, one, and one. We're each, we, we each have one win, one loss, one tie. I'm going to take the win on the Sam Harris IQ and race debate because uh, <laughs> oh I don't think God. you guys uh, proved me wrong in any way. The last should I, should I pause? In general, the mean IQ of black people is less than that of white people. Now, if you don't like that conclusion, then feel free to do the decades of research to disprove it. But just because you don't like the conclusion doesn't mean that the facts aren't true. Mark with his pod D. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's been sitting there on the board, just in the corner there, because Mm -hmm. of the way the system works, it's just there. Mm. So I, I thought it would be funny to... Refresh everybody's memory about how we lost that particular mm. dialogue battle. Mm. thing that you said about that was a you played a clip from Sam Harris where he's talking about Black Lives Matter. And uh, I actually agreed with every word that he said there. And um, people can go back. It's like episode 393 or 4 or something. And uh, yeah, so I won I won that, that exchange for sure. Uh, as far as... Gavin McInnes and the Proud Boys. I'm going to give you guys that one, even though you strawmanned me a little bit and kind of showed that Gavin McInnes had, has said some shitty things. You didn't disprove what I said, which is that the Proud Boys are not a white supremacist organization. But Gavin McInnes did say some shitty things, and while you know that you played a lot of those clips out of context, I don't think I could provide any context which would justify those shitty things that he said. What so a relevant point to make then. <laughs> there's that, I'll give you that one. And then on the Bill Clinton one, I think we'll call that a tie, or a wash. Um, I still think it's silly to bring up, you know, what he's done. Um, and again, bit of a straw man, you, you know, you said, well, what, are we supposed to not ever look at history? Are we... Just because it happened in the past, we can't analyze it. Well, of course, that's not what I'm saying. Of course, history is important. We can mm. learn from it. Mm. But um, as far as a specific 
thing oh. that happened in oh. the 90s with the president, <laughs> oh. that's not something that we need to harp on <laughs> oh. for the rest of our lives. Oh, yeah. yes. We don't need a, not that a Bill Clinton apology where he's on his hands and knees, like I said oh. before. So, yeah. um, I... I paused again. We got about 43 seconds left. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure Mark Mailman knows what a straw man fallacy is. If he thinks that when he says, why do we need to keep talking about this? And I explain why it happened in the past. Yeah, because it was it's in the in the past. Why do we need to keep talking about it? And then I say why we need to keep talking about it. That's not fucking straw man in you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? There are community colleges all around the area in northern Illinois where you live, I think taking a, a critical thinking class that would introduce you to all of the different uh, logical fallacies and explain exactly what they are. No, no, I'm sure that I'm sure there's a podcast out there he could listen to. Oh yeah, I bet you, um, Sam Harris. Yeah, there's a podcast that. Yeah. You think he's? Uh, well, that's how you know Mark likes to get his information. Yes. I bet you Ben Shapiro, Mark has a wonderful series on the different logical fallacies that uh, that I commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. And and one thing just because I've been dipping into the past, let's move let's move ahead since it is still June. What do you guys think about Pride Month? Is being gay something to be proud of? I would say no. Uh, I'm not proud of being straight. I'm just straight. Um, am I proud of being white? No, I'm just white. So why do gay people get a month where they get to be proud of being what they were born as? I don't know. Uh, go ahead and discuss. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for the permission. So Mark, uh, not surprisingly, is one of those guys who's like, why is there a black history month? Why don't we get a white history month? Why is there not a white entertainment television? (laughs) Listen, why are there black colleges? There's no historically... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. There are historically white colleges. And that I, I say that because it leads us to the point that he's asking about pride. Pride isn't, oh, I'm so proud to be gay. Pride was born out of... A time when gays had to be closeted for fear of their fucking life. And when they got a little bit away from that, it was a celebration to, yeah, I'm gay and I'm proud and I'm out. It's not pride in the, in the, in the denotative sense of the word, necessarily. The way I understand it, is that it is a celebration of times, of the history of the gay civil rights movement to be proud and out and okay with being gay and putting on a display that I'm gay and I'm here. Kind of the, I'm, uh, we're, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. We're queer, we're here, get used to it. That's what it's about. It is akin to historically black colleges or black entertainment television or ebony magazine well it's celebrated each year in the month of june to um, honor the stonewall riots in manhattan in fact the first gay pride marches uh, took place one year after the stonewall riots um, on the anniversary of of the raid so it's just weird when white people have this reaction to 
um, oppressed groups of people um, taking time to come together in a safe place um, and and be together with their friends and allies and um, be comfortable. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, I I am following several friends on social media as they go to pride events and just the joy that they're experiencing being around people that know them so well that they feel safe around that they can be 100% themselves and they're not being judged for it. They don't have to fear getting looks in public. They don't have yeah. to fear people talking shit to them. They don't have to fear violence. Um, all of these things are pretty powerful. And I don't know why anyone would be like, <laughs> Why do you get to have that, you know? Or even why do you need to yeah, have Why it? does it matter? Why does it matter? If it's uplifting, if they get value from it, um, if it's meaningful and it's not harming you, then why is it even like a conversation that you're trying to have? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I why guess does, that's where I... Why does that thought even bubble up? I don't get that. Because let's... I mean, let's think about this. Mark ostensibly white, ostensibly straight. You don't come from a group that has been for thousands of years murdered, tortured, oppressed, subjugated. You just you're not in that group, brother. And so when when modernity rolls around and rights start getting doled out, Federal protections start, even though they don't have federal protections as gays, LGBT. But but as things start loosening up, we start understanding ourselves a little better, allowing people their natural rights to marry one another. When we start protecting that, it is okay. In fact, it is positive for people to find their group, to be protected, to be happy, to be safe, and to celebrate the progress that has been made. To celebrate from the place they came to now and how much better it is. And at the same time, talk about and commiserate the journey ahead and the progress that still needs to be made. I think it's great. Yeah, so do I. And um, I always get nervous if there's first time listeners uh, listening to an episode where Mark calls in, um, just in case they don't understand the type of relationship that we have with Mark. I feel like it's fairly obvious, um, even in the way that he talks to us, yeah, yeah. that this is just kind of the like exchanges that we have with one another. Yeah, um, some of our listeners are dick faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... I think Mark is someone who can dish it out, but also take it. Yes. So um, I think he is unique in that way. Yeah. That he can take. And, and, we, and listen, we have a fond relationship with Mark. We don't dislike Mark. Mark gets under my fucking skin sometimes because well, I question his motives. He's also very wrong on many issues. Yeah. All, yeah. Well, almost everything he calls in with. Yes. But we again, have. Again, 25 and 1. But we have hope that <laughs> through continuing an open dialogue and having conversations, that someday Mark will be right about more things. 
instead of wrong about most things. That's the whole reason I do the podcast, Brittany, <laughs> is to d- communicate directly yeah. to Mark the Mailman in Illinois. He needs to be careful about that barking dog. You know what they say about mailmen and dogs? That they like to have sex with them? <laughs> no. <laughs> No. I mean, I haven't are heard you sh- are that. Are you sure that's not the same? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the same. I haven't heard that. No. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Josh. Josh. And Rick. Rick. Yes. Awesome. Two new mm-hmm. Patreon supporters. Thank you, sirs. Um, you will be added to the list of people in the drawing for the book. Correct. Books. Correct. So we have two books that we're giving away. If you become a Patreon supporter any time during the month of June, you will be entered to win one of the two books. If you are already a Patreon supporter, you are already entered to win. Uh, That is, again, only if you are updated on the spreadsheet. Yeah, there's a lot. We have a lot of Patreon supporters who are like their credit cards declined or whatever. So they're, I don't know how the Patreon classifies them but declined oh declined it's pretty easy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so, so if you want in on that go update your your credit card information yeah and you'll be in for the book too and you'll also be back in the in the fold right so we will be doing that um after july 1st so you have some time um in addition we sent out stickers last week so we hope to be seeing some photos of where those stickers end up you can email them to us i doubt it at dollamore.com or you can post it on the facebook page uh, i doubt it with dollamore podcast on facebook don't forget to follow us on twitter at Brittany E. Page, at Dollamore, at I Doubt It Podcast. We're also on Instagram at all of those same names if you prefer to use that form of social media. Yes. All right. Moving on. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So before we get into this this bullshit with the border and on into the new Russia news that has broken, uh, I want to talk about Donald Trump's diversionary tactic today. Donald Trump's ridiculous announcement directing the creation of a space force. Hmm. America's vital interests in space lost out to special interests in Washington, except, of course, for the senators and congressmen here. They would never do it. Right, Dana? But all of that is changing. We know that. My administration is reclaiming America's heritage as the world's greatest spacefaring nation. The essence of the American character is to explore new horizons and to tame new frontiers. But our destiny beyond the Earth is not only a matter of national identity, but a matter of national security. So important for our military. So important. And people don't talk about it. 
When it comes to defending America, it is not enough to merely have an American presence in space. We must have American dominance in space. So important. <laughs> Very importantly, I'm here by directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a space force as the sixth branch of the armed forces. That's a big statement. We are going to have the Air Force and we are going to have the Space Force, separate but equal. It is going to be something so important. General Dunford, if you would carry that assignment out, I would be very greatly honored also. Where's General Dunford? General? Got it? Let's go get it, General. But that's the importance that we give it. We're going to have the Space Force. <laughs> Seriously. Thousands of children are being ripped from their parents, separated at the borders, placed in what is ostensibly a, a, a concentration camp. Ah, what can I do to take the heat off? We're going to have the Space Force. I'm looking like a monster on the world stage no problem. The Space Force. It is absurd, and we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it because it is just fucking ridiculous. There is no need for a Space Force. It's a distraction. The other thing that I want to talk about related to this... The Space Force. ...is uh. the separate but equal thing. What in the fuck is he talking so flippantly about using the phrase separate but equal? which references Plessy versus Ferguson, which was a Supreme Court ruling that came down in the late 1800s that legalized segregation of the races. That we are separate. Oh, but we're equal. The Space Force. And Donald Trump uses it as some kind of a line, uh, like a quaint moment in our history. Oh, no, we have the Air Force. We have the Space Force. It's separate but equal. You know, guys, remember back in the time when we used to have separate but equal and it was a good time? The Space Force. Fuck this guy. So that is all we're going to talk about, the stupid-ass fucking Space Force, because it was meant to be a distraction. I think also that no one cares. Um, like, about about the Space Force? Yeah, genuinely. The I, Space Force. I haven't seen, I don't think it, I don't think it worked. I don't think his attempt to distract worked because I haven't seen anyone <laughs> entertaining this, this idea. I think more people talked about it being a distraction than about the, the efficacy of, of the idea. And that makes me hopeful. There's so much that uh, makes me very upset about the news, but this was something that actually made me feel hopeful today. The Space Force. Was not, no, was seeing people not care about it. Yeah. <laughs> and recognize it for what it is. Not give it space. Yeah, we've just, we've had enough of, of his mind games. And the Space Force. We're not playing them. No more. Well, we might get sucked in. Let's not be... I mean, I might get sucked in because I get pissed off about stuff. Mm -hmm. But this is just fuck patently absurd. So anyway, let's let's go into the border thing. Something happened this week that really fucking bothered me. 
And that is dealing with Melania, <clears throat> Melanie Trump, related to this border thing. The, the, the First Lady's office released a statement which said, Mrs. Trump hates to see children separated from their families and hopes both sides of the aisle can finally come together to achieve successful immigration reform. She believes we need to be a country that follows all laws, but also a country that governs with heart. Yeah, see, this is bullshit. This statement is bullshit. I hate to see families, children separated from families, and I hope all the sides that are that are that are causing this can come together. All the sides aren't causing this right now, lady. Your fucking authoritarian president husband is causing this. With the stroke of a pen, he could uh, uh, stop this. And that she believes that we need to be a country that follows all the laws. Yeah, we do. There is no law that mandates this behavior. There is no law that makes this a necessity. This is human rights abuses. No president has done what Donald Trump is doing. And the reason that this bothers me is because the media is twisting this like Melania Trump is taking some bold stand against Donald Trump. It was her communications director, Stephanie Grisham, who did uh, give CNN a comment today about this. I'll read it in full just so we have it. Mrs. Trump hates to see children separated from their families and hopes both sides of the aisle can finally come together to achieve successful immigration reform. She believes we need to be a country that follows all laws, but also a country that governs with heart. So like you said, it's, it doesn't deviate too much from what the president himself is saying. She's clearly noting that there's a, a this is a partisan issue. There's both sides of the aisle. However, she does tend to be the more compassionate voice of this administration. Uh, and it is unusual for her to weigh in on policy issues. She does certainly doesn't have to. However, uh, having made helping children and her be best policy, the real essence and crux of her first lady platform, um, it seems appropriate that she does at least say something. Um, this is why we reached out to her. And this is the response via her office. But, you know, it's those last few words um, that particularly stand out, govern with heart. And most voices who have observed the facility and many voices on, you know, both the Republican and Democratic side had said separating these kids is inhumane, un-American. That, that is not in sync with, with heart. Agreed. And, and I will say this about the First Lady. She doesn't always uh, sort of walk in step with her husband. She is independent. Uh, she has sort of deviated from him before in certain ways and certain But actions. can she be influential in this kind of case? Uh, you know, from what we understand, she does speak with him about certain issues, uh, you know, behind the scenes. She is influential, certainly. However, um, this is clearly an issue that the president has decided as a as a congressional issue with Democrats. I'm not sure how much sway Mrs. Trump is going to have with her husband or whether that's even her role to have that uh, in terms of influence. I think really, again, she's sort of echoing what her husband is saying uh, for the most part with this statement. It doesn't really sort of break news in a way, but she does say it, reminding people about the heart issue, which is mm -hmm. clearly um, something that she's it sounds like she's struggling with. Um, and I, I believe, again, um, this is her speaking out because she has chosen children. Mm -hmm. And, of course, these are the headlines, these are the images we were just mm -hmm. seeing um, that we're all seeing across the country. 
I think they're giving her too much credit. Just because you say you want to govern with heart and you hate seeing children ripped from families, Donald Trump saying the same shit. It is a problem created by this administration. So you create the problem and then you whine about the problem and talk about how it breaks your heart. So like she said, she didn't need to comment on it. So what do you think the motivation was for releasing a statement? I think it's back in the play. Because those other elements, those other elements of the of the the statement, mm-hmm. the both sides of the aisle need to come together, mm-hmm. and then we are a nation of laws. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we are, but this isn't about the law. So you think it was a move uh, showing support? I, I don't know, but it certainly wasn't uh, a thumb in Donald Trump's eye. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So I, I don't, and it wasn't even this clip. It was all over cable news that they were giving her ton, just heaping praise on Melania Trump as being out of step with Donald Trump. And I just don't see it that way. The the other thing that happened today, this was t- that that was the other day, but today, um, Kirsten Nelson, the Homeland Security Secretary, John Kelly's former assistant. And protege. That's why she has her job is because of John Kelly. She, uh, after a flight from New Orleans where she gave a speech, the the presser, the daily press briefing was delayed and delayed and delayed until like 5 o'clock Eastern tonight. At which she spoke. Very smug, this woman. And she continued that narrative about Congress needs to change this. This isn't a policy. We're just following the law. And she was pressed by reporters. Secretary, let me just follow up very quickly because you continue to insist that this is something that Congress can change. And yet, yes. this is something that was enacted after the Attorney General announced the zero tolerance policy. This never happened before he announced the zero That's tolerance policy. That's actually not policy. true. So the last well, administration, the Obama administration, the Bush administration, all separated families at the... They absolutely did. Well, they, they did. Their rate was uh, less than ours, but they absolutely did do this. This is not new. Minors, there's no doubt about that. But this they separated families. Kids at this rate from their parents is something new and specific to this administration. Once the attorney general announced the zero tolerance policy, so why doesn't the president pick up the phone and change the policy? He said he hates it. I think what the president is trying to do is find a long-term fix. So why don't we have Congress change the laws to change the No, Congress could fix this tomorrow. No, Congress could change this tomorrow. The question was, why doesn't the president change this if he's so horrified by these, these families being separated? And she pivoted to Congress. I think he wants a long-term fix if he's so horrified by what's happening. Why does he not have an immediate fix and direct Congress the obvious toadies in Congress who will do whatever the fuck he says, will defend whatever the fuck he says, and say, hey, listen, guys, get to work. I'm going to put a pause on this, a moratorium on the separations, but I want something within weeks, not months, done. Because I guarantee goddamn to you, Democrats would come along and get something done. As long as you don't attach bullshit like your fucking border wall. So 
some background information a little bit because you can tell how um, unprepared she sounds. Yes. She doesn't sound confident and capable like Sarah Huckabee Sanders does. Even though Sarah Huckabee Sanders is lying and um, a terrible person, she at least comes across as though she she sells it very well. She yeah. sells the lies well. Uh, Nielsen is not doing the same thing. So John Kelly actually, according to Politico, reporting from Politico, John Kelly did not want her to do this press conference. Mm -hmm. He advised her against doing this press conference. And they actually delayed the press briefing several hours. And Olivia Newsy reported that um, the, (laughs) the press that was waiting like laughed and groaned because this is very typical of the administration to when they can't get their story straight delay the press briefing yeah and it actually just kind of they they don't know if it's going to happen at all because they need to get their story straight and so not only is she walking in there without the support of john kelly she is kind of seen in the administration as not being a strong supporter of immigration so you have to wonder um, of the immigration policy i mean yeah so you have to wonder if she's going in there trying to like prove something in order to keep her job Uh, Prove something to Donald Trump like, hey, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to back you up. Yeah. And I'm going to say what you you want me to say. I I hesitate to give her that much credit. If you're if you're in this long with Donald Trump, you're in. You're not a resistor of the policy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think that she I don't think. I don't think she's a, I was not making that argument. Uh, hopefully that's not what it sounded like at all. Um, within the administration, administration, she is not seen as a supporter of the immigration policy enacted by Donald Trump within hmm. the administration. So John Kelly didn't want her to go out there. So because it would back that uh, it would back that image of her. Well, I don't know because she doesn't perform well. I don't know. But I'm wondering if she's going out there defending the family separation um, policy because she's trying to prove herself to Donald Hmm. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's very likely if that's the case. Um, She isn't a good communicator. She's not a good messenger. Um, she's a terrible secretary of Homeland Security. It's This is where we are. They say that 66% of Americans right now disapprove of separating families at the border. That's a tremendous, you know, they are fucking this up. They are in it, this administration. Not good. So the, the let's move on. But the, the other news is related to Russia. We've talked about Roger Stone on the show. We've played clips of Michael Caputo on the show. Uh, Michael Caputo, well, both of them are former Donald Trump campaign uh, bigwigs. Michael Caputo later on in the in the phase. But it has been revealed that uh, they lied to uh, the House Special, the Select Committee on Intelligence, when say, saying that they didn't have any meetings with Russians. They, they went out and no, we didn't have to do any of that. Now it's being revealed that absolutely they did. They organized a meeting with a Russian national for an offer, $2 million for dirt on Hillary Clinton. 
Now to the latest on the Russia investigation, President Trump once again calling the probe a witch hunt over the weekend. But in a new twist, a Trump confidant is now revealing he met with a Russian during the campaign who he says offered to sell him dirt on Hillary Clinton. Our chief justice correspondent, Pierre Thomas, has more. He's there in Washington for us. Good morning, Pierre. Robin, good morning. That's right. Word of yet another contact between an associate of President Trump and Russians. The special counsel's team is asking questions and another sign that the investigation remains active and intense. Roger Stone, a longtime friend and confidant of President Trump, has denied having any knowledge of any collusion with the Russians before the 2016 election. I still have seen no evidence of Russian collusion. But now new word that Stone met with a Russian claiming to have dirt on Hillary Clinton and offering it to Stone in exchange for $2 million. Stone says he rejected it immediately. Stone did not disclose the May 2016 Florida meeting to congressional investigators when questioned last year. Neither did former Trump campaign aide Mike Caputo, who reportedly helped arrange the meeting. They have not told the truth to Congress, and they should be prosecuted for it. Last week, Stone and Caputo submitted letters to Congress notifying investigators of the omission. Stone telling ABC News he simply forgot about the contact because it went nowhere and that he rejected any notion that then-candidate Trump would pay for the damaging information. He also says he never told President Trump about the meeting. The entire thing has been a witch hunt. Total witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Stone and Caputo are suspicious that the Russian contact was an informant sent by the FBI to set them up. But the man told the Washington Post he was not working with the FBI at the time of the meeting and says he ended his relationship with the FBI in 2013. Robin? So here, next up, well, first of all, th this is, it is absolutely ludicrous that they forgot about a meeting with a dude with a thick Russian accent, this man. They forgot about it. This offer of, hey, if you give me $2 million, I'll give you dirt on Hillary Clinton. What was going on in this campaign that this would have been a forgettable experience? Oh, please. You know? They're listen not to, forgetting listen, this. Listen to him just after his testimony before the House committee. I spent my time in front of the committee detailing the fact that I had no contact with Russians, that I never heard of anyone in the Trump campaign talking with Russians, that I never was asked questions about my time in Russia, that I never even spoke to anybody about Russia. I never heard the word Russia, and we did not use Russian dressing. Okay, the whole deal, okay, <laughs> is that they're, they're trying to figure out if there was collusion with Russia, okay? And if people were trying to get dirt on Hillary Clinton, okay? So the fact that you wouldn't remember that you met with someone who was Russian who offered you dirt on Hillary Clinton, that's the whole point yeah. of the investigation. So don't use this defense that you forgot, okay? These aren't car keys. Like you, this is pretty substantial. Yes. Um, Severely substantial. You didn't, you didn't forget. The other thing that this strikes me with this whole thing is just how much disrespect and how little they thought of the House's uh, fucking circus act over there. Remember Devin Nunes? Well, wait, before before that, I want to know, why is he coming out with this now? He didn't just suddenly remember. There's something going on behind the scenes well, where he feels like, oh shit, I have to say this 
because someone knows. Well, it's being revealed now that text messages were released. And he has already, it's been, re- it's been revealed now that he testified before Mueller that he had this meeting. And that's what I was getting at, is that they have total disrespect for the House committee. But when he goes to Mueller, all of a sudden, oh, now he remembers because he doesn't give a fuck because he knows the House committee isn't going to do anything because it's completely toothless. It's fascinating. It's, and, and, and Roger Stone is part and parcel. He's the one who had the meeting. Mm -hmm. He also didn't remember for the house. And then by the time Mueller came calling, oh, all just magically remembered. (laughs) And there's all these text messages and emails back and forth. Mm -hmm. Well, here's Rudy Giuliani explaining this away. Sat down with uh, JTAP to talk about this very thing. Joining me now is President Trump's attorney, the former New York City mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Mr. Mayor, happy Father's Day. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. The same to you. Let, let, let's start with that breaking news from the Post. that former Trump associate Roger Stone met with a Russian national uh, to try to learn damaging information about Hillary Clinton in 2016. Was President Trump aware of this meeting? I doubt it. I, I certainly uh, didn't know about it. I doubt it's, uh, it. It's news to me. I just, I just read it here in the Washington Post. I should make that a drop. <laughs> you should. Uh, yeah. Notice he didn't say, oh, no, he doesn't fucking know. Absolutely not. (laughs) Unequivocally, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. He says, oh, I I doubt that he knows. I don't know. Probably not. How am I supposed to know what my client knows and doesn't know? (laughs) What am I, his attorney? We haven't talked about all this. (laughs) I don't know. It seems to me, however, whatever the recollection, differing recollections about this, it sort of gets resolved with the fact that Go, uh, Stone did nothing about it, came to the conclusion, according to the Post, that it was a waste of time. He and Greenberg came to the conclusion that it was a waste of time. So I, I can't imagine anything got back to the then presidential candidate that uh, was of any substance if he had concluded it was a waste of time. I guess the weird thing about all of this is we keep learning about these meetings that members of the Trump team had with Russian nationals that the Trump team had either not disclosed or, or lied about before, whether it's the Trump Tower meeting with Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, and Jared Kushner, or George Papadopoulos meeting uh, with that London professor with ties to the Kremlin. Now we hear about this. It all makes people in the public, I think, wonder why all the lies about this or the well, misrepresentations if nothing bad or untoward ever happened. The, the, the earlier meeting, I, uh, you know, I don't particularly want to go back to because I think that then kind of explained and over-explained. However, this one, I can see why Stone might not have uh, focused on it because the guy had nothing to offer. The guy was uh, doing everything he could to disguise who he was. Uh, you, you read off a couple of names that he had. Most extraordinary thing is on some document, he re- described himself as an informant. Every informant I ever had tried to keep that secret. I mean, that was, you, don't, you don't like say, oh, I'm an informant. I can come to the United States. So it sounds like a very strange guy. Uh, was he an FBI informant or not? Well, we know from, from the... Uh, uh, from the probe by the inspector general, and the FBI at the highest levels here were doing very, very unorthodox things, uh, if not out and out illegal and, un- and unethical. So would they be using a guy like this? I doubt it because he, he, you don't just say you're an informant. And that's the tack they're taking. So FBI connection, come on. Rudy Giuliani also just said, that Stone, I did nothing about it. 
He did something about it because he re- met with a Russian national who was offering dirt on Hillary Clinton. He didn't do nothing about it. He met and then communicated with campaign officials about the meeting. It's so weird for these people to try to say that Donald Trump didn't know anything about this because who are they doing this for? What are all of who who are all of these actions uh, supposed to benefit? They're supposed to benefit Donald Trump. That's exactly right. So you're reporting back to him on how things are going. They're for sure reporting back to him. Here's an update, sir. Tippy top shape. This is how close we're getting. Yeah. We're trying to get the dirt, sir. <laughs> I mean, that's what I assume happened. I don't have proof. <laughs> I think we've got reams of circumstantial evidence. It just seems hard to believe. That's all I'm saying. It's hard to believe. Allegedly. (laughs) It's hard to believe. Well, it's hard to believe that they're so fucking stupid. (laughs) That every single... It it also... This is what it tells me. Is that when you get to this level, this class, when you have money, that you feel you can act with impunity. That you'll never be caught. You can fuck around with your charitable organization and enrich yourself with tax-free charitable money. Ah, no big deal. We're billionaires. We'll get away with it. You can meet in flagrant violation of campaign finance laws with foreign nationals accepting in-kind contributions. Ah, no big deal. We're rich. We're attached to Donald Trump. We'll get away with it. There's a lot of shit going on that seems to be done not even under the cover of darkness because they feel like they'll get away with it. No good. Anyway, I think that we will leave it there. This is, again, a hashtag third episode week. So we will be back with you two more times this week. Likely Wednesday and Friday. Likely Wednesday and Friday. And bear with us while we try to get that official schedule locked down. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We would love to have you in the Patreon family. If you're already in the Patreon quote unquote family, uh, go check. See if your credit card is, if you get you off the decline list to get you one of those books in the contest, that would be awesome. We appreciate all that you do for us, all of the support, helping us move the conversation forward. Uh, calling. That is a beautiful way to communicate with the show. We thrive on listener communication. It is a hallmark of what we try to do here. So we would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email one of those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been, I Doubt It. We're going to have the Space Force.